0: Hi, I'm Joel McMahon from San Philip United Methodist Church in San Philip, Texas, and uh, I'd like to welcome you to our podcast uh, today as we share with you our latest message. But before we go any further, let's bow our heads for a moment of prayer. Heavenly Father, with your help, we've made it through the week that lies behind us, and we ask that you be with us as we enter into this brand new week. Help us to not be consumed with fear and worry. Fill us instead with your joy, which strengthens us, and your peace, which surpasses all understanding. We ask that you mend broken hearts. We ask that you comfort those who are mourning. And we ask that you miraculously heal those who need it. And we pray these things in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Our scripture lesson comes from the Gospel of Matthew, the 21st chapter. We'll be reading the 23rd through the 32nd verses. When he entered the temple, the chief priest and the elders of the people came to him while he was teaching and said, By what authority are you doing these things, and who gave you this authority? Jesus said to them, I will ask you one thing, which if you will tell me. I will also tell you by what authority I do these things. The baptism of John was from what source? From heaven or from men? And they began reasoning among themselves, saying, If we say from heaven, he will say to us, Then why did you not believe him? But if we say from men, we fear the people, for they all regard John as a prophet. And answering Jesus, they said, We do not know. He also said to them, Neither will I tell you by what authority I do these things. But what do you think? A man had two sons, and he came to the first and said, Son, go work today in the vineyard. And he answered, I will not. But afterward he repented and went. The man came to the second son and said the same thing. And he answered, I will, sir. But he did not go. Which of the two did the will of his father? They said the first. Jesus said to them, truly I say to you that the tax collectors and prostitutes will get into the kingdom of God before you. For John came to you in the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him. But the tax collectors and prostitutes did believe him. And you, seeing this, did not repent afterward so as to believe him. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word. Budro and Thibodeau were sitting by the road in front of Thibodeau's house in lawn chairs drinking their sweet tea with a big sign up beside them that said, The end is near. Turn yourself about and go the other way. A carload of uh, people came whizzing by glanced over at the sign and yelled, get out of here, you religious fanatics. And we're, this went on down the road. A few moments later, they heard the screeching of tires and then they heard a big crash. And Boudreaux turned to Thibodeau and said, do you think we might ought to change the sign so it just say the bridge is out? Well, this is what's at the heart of repentance, isn't it? Turn it around and go in the other way. Now, Jesus in this passage is talking to the scribes and the Pharisees. And this passage is at the very end of Jesus' ministry. In fact, he's going to be crucified about a week from when this conversation took place. But it was right after he began his ministry, actually right after he called Matthew, that he told them that they needed to go and learn what was meant when the Lord said, I desire mercy and not sacrifice. And that conversation was also about uh, Jesus eating and uh, associating with tax collectors and sinners. This just really bothered him, not bothered him, bothered them, that that Jesus was associating with people that they thought were beneath their station because of their place in life. And Jesus was trying to get something across to them. And all the way through his ministry, Jesus is trying to reach the scribes and the Pharisees. We see an enmity between them, but have you ever noticed how one way it really is? Yes, sometimes Jesus sounds harsh to them. And one of the first things that we see him do, when we he first got uh, started, whenever he had uh, uh, come out of the wilderness, after spending his time there being tempted by Satan, one of the first things that he did is he went to the temple and he overturned the tables where the uh, money changers were and he released animals. And he said, it is said that my father's house will be called a house of prayer and you have made it a den of thieves. Yes, that looked like an attack, but really it was a direct message to them calling them to look at what God really was wanting of them instead of what they had made up and finagled and turned into a religion. Instead of helping people into a right relationship with God, they were just capitalizing on religion. And all the way through his ministry, we see this take place by the fifth chapter of the Gospel of John. We see that they already were wanting to kill him. And so here it is, just a few days before he is going to be killed by them. Let's face it, they're the ones that set it up so that he would wind up being crucified. And he is still reaching out to them. And he's not talking cryptically at this point. Now, we need to realize that it wasn't long before that that he had shared the story of the lost coin and the story of the lost sheep and the story of the lost son. And the scribes and the Pharisees saw that he was talking about them whenever he was talking about the elder brother. And we spent a lot of time talking about uh, the parable of the prodigal son and uh, I'm afraid that sometimes when we look at these parables about the, the coin and the sheep and the son, that we can get the impression that sinners matter more to Jesus than good people, that bad people matter more to him than good people, that he seems to pay more attention to sinners than he does to what we might consider good people but look at the, what's going on here. The worst people that we're looking at, those who have hatred and bitterness in their hearts, are those who are wanting to kill Jesus, the religious leaders of the day. They are the ones that are not coming to repentance, and he has tried and tried to reach them, and they just hardened their hearts more and more. They were jealous they felt their positions threatened. And yet he continues to reach out to them in love and truth, even though they hated him. And uh, the thing is, you see, it's not that he favors the lost over the saved. It's just that we all sin and fall short of the glory of God and we need to all come to repentance. We need repentance in our lives. John the Baptist began his ministry by telling the people they needed to repent. When Jesus began preaching, his first message was repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. The kingdom of God is at hand. In the book of Revelation, we're going to see him still saying that we need to repent. And so if you see this properly, you see that the scribes and the Pharisees are just as sinful. They're just as bad as the tax gatherers, or the tax collectors, and uh, the sinners were. And so this is the point that it's come to. Shortly before he dies. And in this particular parable that he gives of the two sons, he makes it so clear what the problem is. You have two sons. The father goes to one and he says, I want you to go work in the field. And the so, first son says, No, not going to do it. But later he repents and he goes and he works in the field. And then he goes to the second son. And he says, I want you to go and work in the field. I want you to go and work in the vineyard. And the second son says, okay, dad, I'm on my way. And he never goes. Now, some people would look at this and they would see that Jesus is trying to convey to the Pharisees that he is the one who is doing the will of the father even though he did not say no. He said yes and went and did the will of his father. The scribes and the Pharisees gave the appearance that they were going to do the will of their father, but they never did. The real parallel that Jesus makes clear here is not between himself and the scribes and the Pharisees, but between the tax collectors and the sinners, the tax collectors and sinners and the scribes and the Pharisees, the tax collectors and sinners are represented by the first son. You see, they went off, they did what they wanted to do, they did what they, and they, they just thumbed their nose at, uh, at God's will and didn't want to follow it. And yet later on, when John came preaching, when Jesus came preaching, They repented, and they entered into a believer's rest. They entered into a right relationship with God, and it began with repentance. The second son is compared with the scribes and the Pharisees who said, we're going to do God's will and never did the will of their heavenly father, but instead played religious games and held on to their sin. And this is why he says uh, at the very end, he says, truly I say to you that the tax collectors and sinners will get into the kingdom of God before you. For John came to you in the way of righteousness. He's talking to the scribes and the Pharisees. John came to you, he says. He's making it clear. John came to you in the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him. But the tax collectors and prostitutes did believe him. And you, seeing this, did not repent afterward so as to believe him. And so he makes it clear that the problem that they have is that they have been called into the kingdom of God, just like the tax collectors and sinners, and they have not repented. This is the heart of the problem. Now, as believers, we know that Jesus calls people who have yet to believe in him and Christians, when they have fallen away from him, to repent. And yet, repentance seems like a rather unpleasant thing that we have to make ourselves do. It's, it's like taking bitter medicine when we're sick. We don't want to take it, but we force it down our throats anyway because we know it's supposed to be good for us. Now, I used to think of repentance in this way, until I realized what repentance really is. In a nutshell, it involves these three things, recognition of our sin, renunciation of our sin, and returning to God. And the more that I come to understand what repentance really is, the more I realize that it is, in fact, a wonderful gift from God to us, and I want to share with you this morning five reasons why. First of all, I, uh, the first thing is repentance lets God restore, forgive, and purify us. It allows God into our lives so that we, he, we can be restored and forgiven and purified. I used to feel unworthy of God's unforgiveness when I fell into sin, and i think, I'm already a Christian, yet I'm still disappointing and failing God this way. How can I still expect Him to forgive me? Well, whenever the Lord really saved me and just came to me one night, and I had realized that my sin separated me from him, and that there was nothing I could do to undo it, and I had sinned so many times after I had professed him as as Lord and Savior, and never really lived that way. You see, I was like the scribes and the Pharisees. I said I would at one point, and I never really did. And at this moment in my life, I felt so separated from God. And I felt that my only future was going to hell. But I remember just crying out and saying, Jesus, help me. And you know, scripture says that all who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. When I called on his name, all of a sudden, Jesus was right there in the room with me. And he let me know I was forgiven, even though I didn't feel like I could receive it. And I said, but what about this? No, I thought that some of my sins were too great for God's forgiveness. And I said, I did these things and I knew they were wrong. And he said to me, Joel, it's okay. I knew you were going to mess up. And that's why I went to the cross. And brother and sister, he knew you were going to mess up. And that's why I went to the cross. There's a place on his cross just for you. And that's why the Bible contains this truth if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. That's found in 1 John 1, 1.9. Since then I've made it a point to confess my sins before God, no matter how unworthy or how unclean I might feel, knowing that he will forgive me my sins and he will purify me so that I will be righteous before him once more just as God reached out to us before we came to know him, he still reaches out to us and calls us to return to him today if we've fallen in sin. Return to me and I will return to you, he says in Zechariah 1.3 and Malachi 3.7. God promises to restore us when we repent of our sins, we're told in Jeremiah 15.19. Repentance, number two, helps us to be humble. I find that when I have trouble repenting, it's often because of pride in my life. And often, let's face it, we're not even aware of our pride. You see, pride brings a spiritual blindness that causes us to think that our standards are better than God's standards. And some Sometimes, oh my goodness, whenever God is looking down on us, sometimes I think he sees us like the guy I read about the other day that wrote on Facebook, hey, y'all, be praying for me. I'm on my way to a meeting at the bank, and if everything goes well, all my financial worries are going to be over. I'm so excited, I can hardly get my ski mask on straight. You see, the opposite of pride is humility. And one definition of it, which I really like, says humility means agreeing with the truth. Another is admitting that God is right. And perhaps that is why Paul says that repentance leads us to know the truth so that we can come to our senses. When I repent and learn to agree with the truth of God's standards of righteousness in sin, I grow in humility, and as I grow in humility, I wind up growing in grace, and I wind up growing spiritually. You see, God values humility; he shows favor it says in the Bible to those who are humble, but he opposes and mocks those who are proud. It says in proverbs three thirty four and also in james four six so let's be quick to repent so that we may grow in humility and in spirit and receive and enjoy God's favor. The third thing that he uh, that, that comes from repentance is it drives the devil away from us, and that's so important. During the times when we are willfully disobeying God, it's so much harder to believe God's truth. Instead, the voices of guilt, doubt, fear, and condemnation ring a lot louder in our hearts. Thoughts like, God doesn't love you anymore. You've really blown it this time. God's not going to give you a second chance after he's already given you umpteen other chances. And he may even hear, you may even hear the enemy say, you know God's just given up on you now, and he's going to keep on harassing you and giving you no peace. But when we repent and we return to God, these deceptive whispers of the enemy will start to fade, and you'll be able to perceive and receive the truths of God again and his peace Will reign once more in your heart. The Bible tells us, humble yourselves, submit yourselves to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. In this verse, submission to God means washing our hands and purifying our hearts from sin and double mindedness. And that begins by turning toward God in repentance. You see, the uh, uh, the prodigal son, we don't talk about this part of it, but you see, the word repentance isn't used there. But it says that he came to himself, found himself in a pigsty, found himself in such a bad, bad spot. And instead of letting pride just cause him to just die there in the pigsty, he said, wait a minute. In my father's house, even the servants have it better than I do. I'll just go back, and I'll ask to be one of his servants. And then he started home. He started home humble, willing to just be his father's servant, just to serve in his house. And his father wouldn't receive him that way, would he? But see, it began when he turned around and headed toward home. And some of you listening may not even know that your real home is waiting for you in heaven where God is. But you turn in this life away from from doing what you want to do. See, the prodigal son took out on his own, doing his own thing. And like a, Uh, Dr. Phil says, how's that working for you? That's kind of the moment that uh, our prodigal son came to. He turned around and he headed home. That's repentance. And that's what God desires of you. When we sin, we actually give the devil permission to draw near to us. For the one who does what is sinful is the devil, because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. That's found in 1 John 3.8. The enemy is close to those who do what he does. And when he here, I'm sorry, and when he is near us, he comes to do what? He comes only to steal and to kill and to destroy. You find that in John 10, 10, When we submit to God by repenting, we're proclaiming that we belong to God and we can fight against the devil and his evil influences in our lives. The fourth thing that repentance brings, repentance frees us from the torment of sin. I found this to be so true in my own life. When I insisted on my own sinful ways, the one who suffered the most was me although my sin may feel good, it ultimately hurts more than it seems to promise. It brings death. It brings destruction. And when I wasn't willing to confess my sins to God and others due to pride and shame, I found myself continuing in my sins because the devil had gained a foothold in my life to ensnare me in the darkness It's only when I brought these sins into the light by confessing them uh, that those sins started to lose their power to further deceive and hurt me. Now, I am so thankful that God gives us confession and repentance as a way uh, by which we can receive his mercy because Jesus is our great high priest who is always interceding for us before God. We can approach God's throne of grace because of this with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. The Bible gives us this this promise, repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. If we do not repent, we're not going to be able to receive help and relief from the torment of sin. Fifth and lastly, repentance leads us to fullness of life with Jesus. Sin will lead to spiritual death. God's Word tells us plainly that the wages of sin is death that's found in Romans 6:23 and Jesus said unless you repent you too will all perish on the contrary repentance leads to life and salvation ultimately when we repent we're inviting Jesus to have fellowship with us after urging Christians to be earnest and repent in the book of revelation He said, here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. The immeasurable joy of having intimate fellowship with God it's what Jesus won for us through his death and resurrection so that we may have life and have it to the full. It certainly beats the deceptive, fleeting joy of any kind of sin by any measure. At the beginning, I was talking about the scribes and the Pharisees. This conflict goes on. With them putting him on the cross, and even while he's hanging there dying, you know what Jesus says Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. He prayed that prayer for scribes and Pharisees who, up to that point, had not repented and still. He gave them the opportunity to do so. Brothers and sisters, if you have let pride or anything else keep you from repenting and getting into fellowship with God or renewing your fellowship with God if you've drifted away, He's calling to you today to repent. He's calling to you to come home You see, eternity doesn't start when we get to heaven. It starts right now with having fullness of life with God and it's repentance that opens the door so that we can have that. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Now, some of you in hearing this may realize that maybe you've been in church and tried to be good your whole life, but you've never repented of sin. Maybe you've been taught that you didn't need to. And maybe if that's the case, you have wondered why you've never really felt close to God. Yes, maybe you felt good in a worship service, but you've never really felt a close personal relationship with God. This is the key repentance is the key. Don't let your pride keep you from him. If that's you and you'd like to come to him, I want you to pray with me in just a moment. There's some of you that you have never, you've been like the tax collectors and sinners. You've been going your own way and it hasn't been working out for you. And you realize that you've missed God. And you want him in your life now. Repentance is the way. Some of you knew God at one time. And then you got up, caught up in sin. And now you're so far from him that you thought he won't have you back. And he's saying, come home. Come home, child. Come home today. If that's you, would you pray with me now? Let's all pray. Father, some have drifted away and want to come home. Some are just now realizing that they need to come home. And others uh, realize that they have thought they've been with you, but they have never opened the door to their heart through repentance. All of us now just open our hearts and say, Lord, we've tried it our way. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you died on the cross for our sins, and we're sorry that we've sinned against you, and we ask that you forgive us, and we thank you that you have forgiven us through your precious blood, that you have bought our salvation, and you've paid the price for our sin so that we can be reconciled with you, and Lord, we receive that tonight. We receive it today. We ask, oh God, that you would wash us and cleanse us and make us whole once more. Father, I pray that everybody that's prayed that prayer will just sense you fulfilling your promise that uh, you would come in to the heart that's open, to the door that's open, and sup with them. That if uh, we would uh, uh, call upon your name, that you would come to us, Lord. I pray that you'll pour out your Holy Spirit upon them, and they will know your reality and your presence like they've never known it before. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening, and thank you for praying with me, and we will see you right here again next week. Goodbye, and God bless.